1: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabers, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. I'm Taylor, and Taylor, we have a very, very handsome guest today, calling us right now from his nursing retirement home. So (laughs) honored. We are so honored to have our pal Anthony from Expected Buffalo joining us on the pod again for, I believe, what is the third consecutive year of our season preview episode. So, Anthony, welcome to Straight Up Sabers, my man.
2: Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's funny there was another pod I was on earlier this week where it's also the third consecutive time I've I've been on there for the season preview, and uh, I guess that's just kind of my niche now. Um, I'm the I'm <laughs> season podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, it's exciting. I'm 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 stoked for hockey season to be getting kicked off here, and I'm most excited to be kicking it off with you guys.
1: Oh. Too flattering, my friend. Well, let's just jump right into it. So everybody, we talked about it last episode. Those of you who've been listeners to the podcast for the past couple of years know how this works. We are going to start off talking a little bit about just the big news of the day for one, but then we're going to get into our general Sabre season preview, and then we are going to close this episode as we have the past couple of years where we give our divisional predictions. And just as has been the case for the past two years, we are all going to be very, very correct. Nobody go back and listen to the episodes from the last two years. Trust me, take my word for it. We all got them 100% right. No questions asked. Sound good? hmm All right, ready. Then. Let's get right into this then. Don Granado, multi-year extension. We've seen what he's been able to do for the youth of this team. Coming from his background at, of course, the U.S. National Development Program, and then, of course, being a uh, an assistant coach for Ralph Kruger, and then now then taking over as interim head coach, and then being hired full-time. And last year, we really saw how he was able to turn around the really the careers of guys like Darlene and Skinner, for example, and Tage for that matter as well, really maximizing their potential. So do you think that this deal was warranted to be made right now, as he still has two years left on his contract, or do you think that maybe they jumped the gun a little bit? Are you happy about it? Generally speaking, Anth, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah. I think the, the, the kind of overarching theme over the last few days here, even if you include, you know, last week with the Adams extension is just kind of votes of confidence, right. Um, it seems like the organization is just trying to say, you know, give these guys maybe a semblance of job security, right. Um, heading into a year where we brought it up on our podcast last night, which was ill-timed considering all the news today, but, um, Chad and I brought it up where it's going to be interesting to see how Granado does in a year where maybe not playoff expectations, but it's his first year with expectations, right. In general. Um, so uh, I guess from a interpersonal standpoint, giving him that vote of confidence could be seen as a good thing. Like, Hey, listen, we believe in you. We're going to give you the tools to succeed and we're going to lock you down just to show you that we're, we're invested in this. So, um, I don't mind it. It's not like it counts against the salary cap or anything if it doesn't work out. So, um, you know, I I think the people who get bent out of shape about extending front office and coaching staff people is is a little odd to me. Uh, But yeah, cool. Let's let's roll. Um, They're confident in this core. They're confident in this leadership group. So let's do it.
1: Taylor, what do you make of it?
0: Yeah, I I think it I think people like uh, I agree with that. And I would I would add to that the people sometimes are like, oh, my God, why would you do that? Why would you not wait? until i don't know someone has more experience you're more sure I mean, of them. you heard the same things with the adam's ex- extension last month but i think in this case it's it's just the 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 downside is way less the downside to not giving adams or granado a vote of confidence well i mean adams that's a whole different story What a gm that thinks they're gming for their job is that's that's a dangerous scenario granado miko so,
2: koskinen becomes a thing
0: yeah exactly uh but someone like Renato, you know, you want him to be confident and know that you're confident in him and that you're all building towards something. I'm not really sure when his contract was up or whatever, what kind of money he was getting. But all things considered, probably not great considering both of those guys, Renato and Adams, got hired in the real uh, efficiency economic era or whatever for the Sabres. They, they were not shelling out a lot of cash a couple of years ago. So the downside to not doing it is, is that he could leave. The downside to doing it is like nothing. Well, you fire a guy and you have to pay him to not coach Ben there that's been every coach that Pagulas have hired it'll be fine if that's the case and the same thing for Adams frankly so I'm 100% in on giving the extension and I think basically since he's taken over uh, the vibes have been uh, turned around dramatically and that's not just some uh, ethereal thing it's like Him listening to guys, him understanding guys, him helping mold guys into the right roles and on a young team, this is still going to be a young team for years to come. And he's a guy that specialized in young guys. He's only really ever coached young guys. So I'm, I'm happy with it. But obviously that, that news was quickly overshadowed today uh, because the Sabres gave a very interesting contract to Matias Samuelson, uh, who despite only playing 54 games, being pretty impressive in the games he has played. they gave him a seven-year, thirty million-dollar contract. So, really interesting move in a lot of ways. So, what do you make of that, Anthony?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna do my best not to kind of talk in a circle here because I, I do I have like three different trains of thought on this. Um, primarily, right, and and Kevin uh, NT Writer Eight Two Five on Twitter, who, who's a good friend of mine. Um, he brought up a really interesting comparison and he says that teams in baseball, like the Braves and and the Rays have been doing this kind of theory on contract extension for, for some time now, basically taking guys with smaller samples who their analytics, their data gives them every indication that this player is going to develop into something great. And they give them long-term lucrative extensions that, ultimately have their gambles of course any contract extension is but um their gambles with what they feel is a higher rate of return right a a higher propensity for that extension to be a successful one um so i I like it i like that it's it's completely different than we anything we've seen the sabers do maybe ever in in terms of how they handle contracts um so i'm interested to see how it plays out i like the player a lot which is good news right they didn't extend a guy who who i wasn't high on and that you know i'm I'm kind of i'd be lamenting having to watch him for seven more years because uh i do believe he is a he's he's got a great chance to be a long-term top pairing guy beside Darlene, and and those guys make more than 4.2 million a year so um if it works out the way they see it working out, and, you know, if you go off the small set of, of data you have from last year, he and Darlene had great underlyings together. So if they can continue that and, and that becomes your top pairing for the next seven years plus, oh, my God, like massive win giving that guy just over two or four mil rather. Um, on the flip side, I do I do understand um a little bit of the apprehension like you said it's a 54 game sample but but uh, and it's something that a lot of most i would say nearly all nhl teams don't really do right now um so so it's it's a very new kind of theory on contracts right which the Sabres are going to be a little bit of a guinea pig uh, for the rest of the league to see, does this work out? Right. And and there are very few teams, maybe only five or six with a more robust analytics department than Buffalo has right now. Um, so it's, it's a big uh, vote of confidence in, in the numbers guys who are probably in Adam's ear saying, Hey, capitalize on this now, get your value, buy these UFA years off of him. Right. And, and avoid kind of a I'm trying to think of a good example maybe jeff Petrie is a good example right where um his third contract got really expensive uh for montreal and then they ended up buying post prime years whereas samuelson's contracts can expire when he's 29 that's right around when defensemen start to kind of most defensemen start to kind of hit an aging curve um so in theory yeah it's it's a good gamble i think um and then the other thing people have to consider, and, and it's, it, it is easy to forget this because we've been in a flat cap situation for a few years now with COVID um, the NHL cap is going to go up and and probably significantly over these next few years, the new ESPN TV deal um, and, and things of that nature. So a $4 million deal now isn't going to be as preclusive right to your cap situation uh, moving forward. And um I think a big thing that that maybe gets overlooked as well that someone kind of brought brought up to me today, and I kind of gave me like an oh yeah moment. Uh, same deal with the Tage contract is none of them have trade protection, so it's not like you're going to be dealing with NMCs or NTCs at any point during these deals either. So, so you have very movable contracts, right? Um, as well. So, uh, I, I don't see much of a downside because again, if he if he flounders out. Like, okay like it's 4 million against a cap that's likely by the by the time that deal matures right it's going to be you might be over 90 million dollar cap so like is it really that big of a deal a uh, guy claiming less than 5% of your cap space cuz at that point he's good you have your a top pairing defenseman at a 5% of your cap space rate which is unbelievable value so um yeah it's calculated risk and i think it's a well calculated
0: one yeah i think it's That also the good point on the uh, the no trade no move Mm thing, That's that was
2: that was Cannibal King on Twitter. I want to give him his due credit that brought that up to me. Ah,
0: (laughs) Cannibal King. Cool. All right. So, I think what I wanted to compare it to, like cross sport comparison. I think the Braves and Rays are a really good example. The Braves, like literally two months ago, uh, extended Austin Riley, who's not doesn't have that much experience, Mm -hmm. um, and isn't, I don't think it's going to be a UFA for a couple of years or wasn't gonna now he's definitely not gonna cause they gave him like seven years, 200 million. So that's the other kind of thing. Baseball numbers are way different than, than hockey ones, but you can look at that and be like, Oh my God, the guy's played like not even two full seasons yet. Like, what are you doing? On the other hand, it seems like this is a guy who in a few years is going to be worth if he were, let's say he were a UFA in two years and he was a, uh, basically doing the same thing that he's been doing these past two years, he would get probably easily 300 million plus on the open market. They probably saved a hundred million dollars by doing it. There's always a risk obviously, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's, it is that kind of move. And the other thing with what you said about the salary cap. Yeah. The, that's basically locked into place. I mean, TV deal money. It's, yep. it's not something that there's a lot of uh, movement on either side. Like they're getting that money. And because of that, the salary cap has to go up. It basically puts them in the position that the NBA was in around 2014, 2015, where the cap's not going up yet, but it's going to, which it did in 2016 for the NBA, to so can start preparing for that. And there's there's a confluence of circumstances that led to this, but Steph Curry ended up being the best bargain in the world. He was getting paid $11 million a year. Part of that was because he really took off after he signed the contract. Part of it was the cap exploded, and he wasn't a free agent right away. So the first either year or two of that cap, he was getting paid like one quarter of the max. And like that worked out really well for the Warriors. People might've noticed. So I think those are, those are considerations you you have to make in this situation. And again, like you you mentioned the downside, there's not that much of a downside. I don't think there's, I I just really don't foresee him being like terrible or really bad. The real downside is he's either injured, which that's always a downside. What are you going to do? Or he is who he is right now. And if if that's the case, then you're paying a guy, like you said, less than 5% of your cap, and he's a or Even if he's a third-pairing guy, it's like, how bad is that really compared to mm-hmm. the potential upside? The Sabers have here. I think the other thing too to keep in mind also with this with Samuelson
1: is while there is a short sample size and I do understand the concerns with that, you got to look at the quality of competition that he was going up against too. I mean, he's getting tough minutes, and that's something that Granado has shown across all of the young guys is that he's not afraid to give them those tough minutes. He's not going to shelter you just because you're young. He wants you to throw you to the wolves. And so, yes, in his in the sample size that we have from him playing last year sure, maybe his numbers weren't, his underlings weren't like jumping off the page at you, but that's a guy in his rookie year being able to keep his head above water playing against some of the toughest competition that they could be going up against night after night and showing that he could at least be competent in that. And you have to think that he's just going to keep getting better and keep getting to understand the game more, the flow of the game, the speed of the game. And so, You know, I I think that's really important. Then the other point I will make, too, about the cap hit is that the Sabres were able to trade Rasmus just a line in, and he was making over $5 million, and they got a first-round pick back for him. Not to say that they would get something similar with Samuelson, but, like, that's the point, is that you can move that kind of money. Like, it's not like we're, we're breaking the bank here. And you guys brought up Tage before, too. I think even with the cap going up, the same could be said about Tage also. Like, if in three years from now or four years, whatever it is that maybe in a best case scenario, Tage is our second line center and we're competing in the playoffs and you're paying him what, like seven and a half a year. That's pretty good money for a second line center. Who's going to be able to pot 35 goals for you year after year. Mm -hmm. So I I think the, the moral of it is just the, and it's something that I know Taylor and I've talked about. I know you and Chad talk about it too. Like, Banking on these guys to play and play up to the level of these contracts is absolutely the move than being reactionary and having to overpay them after the fact.
2: Right. And I think uh, to kind of build on that point, right, I think Savers fans are a little bit jaded and, and rightfully so uh, in the sense that... um not being sold right totally on this regime is fair right that's not like they've made the playoffs yeah it's not like they've done anything miraculous though they did pretty thoroughly rebuild the farm system um in in short time but um i can understand the thought of like yeah okay what if we have to rebuild again in two to three years because we're used to that right every two to three years we rebuild again right and now you've got these long-term contracts that would maybe preclude you from doing so to a degree right I think the Sabers need to exit that kind of uh, philosophy of thought. Um, you know that that we need to hedge our bets in case this doesn't work, because I think that's what they had been doing for, for some time. Um, and then it wasn't working, and you know your your full teardown happens regardless. So if you're going to invest in this, if you're going to commit to this uh, process here, you kind of gotta. You you can't you can't remain with the status quo in that regard. So. Um, they're being bold and, it, and it's, and they're doing it, you know, they're not just doing it with chutzpah. They're not doing it with just, you know, to be the, for the sake of being bold, they're doing it because they've got the data to back it up. And that's, that's what we've wanted them to have for some time. Right. Um, you a know, to, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you went from two years ago, having a one man analytics department in chase and chase Nightingale to now having five to six guys who, oh my God, you know, I, I think truly between, you know, Dominic, um. Uh, Sam Ventura, right, and and all the guys they brought in, you probably have three of the top five analytics minds in hockey in the organization right now. I think that's that's a fair assessment. So, um, really exciting stuff, and and you know it's it's a big test because you still have a, a really healthy proportion of Sabres fans and hockey fans in general who aren't sold on analytics so Mm -hmm. this is this is a big gamble on that right to to kind of win those fans over like look we invested in this data we invested in in these you know these number guys here's the end result like you may not love it right this second because it's long-term contracts that look risky to you but hopefully when they come to fruition you you you've won some people over right so it'll be interesting to see how it works out
1: One thing I wanted to put out there that I was actually thinking about the other day, what do you guys feel is the likeliness of a scenario coming along maybe in like a year or two, maybe we'll just call like a couple of years, maybe two to three years, whatever, maybe even more, I don't know, that they're at a point where maybe somebody's calling Sam Ventura about a GM job or an assistant GM job, and then do we see Kevin Adams get promoted to like that team president role, and then you move Ventura up to GM?
2: I don't think you'd move Ventura to GM. I think you would move Jason Carmanos to GM because um, you know right now he's your assistant GM right, and kind of yeah, heading yeah. up that analytics department. But yeah, I could see them making Ventura a move like that. Assistant
1: GM, then so. Well, on. yeah,
2: I mean, even when the Sabers weren't good, you had Steve Greeley getting job interviews right as the AGM. So, <laughs> so like it's it's a real it's a real possibility. Um, I think the scenario you laid out is right where where adams would would make that step up to like President of hockey or whatever you know arbitrary title um but but yeah, don't i i I don't think they want to risk losing those guys, but again it's kind of a byproduct of every successful organization you're you're gonna lose guys I mean uh what did the bills lose Joel Schoen, I think he became the giants g m um so it's, it it's just kind of how it works, man. When your team gets good, people want, they, they want to find out what the secret recipe is. So they poach from your organization. You know, you can't, can't protect everybody, but if you keep kind of cultivating talent, not just out of the ice, but, but in your analytics department, in your front office, then shouldn't be a problem.
0: So do we uh do we want to move on to the divisional uh stuff then, Brad?
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about the the season and and, and your outlook. Oh. I mean, what are you? Let's talk about that. Who do you think at the end of this year ends up being the Sabres team MVP?
2: Are you asking me or Taylor? Sorry, you first. Me first. Okay. Team MVP, I think is Rasmus Dahlin. Uh, he's just a star, and I think that. I hope that um let's say the last 50 or so games of last season, that performance carries over and he doesn't have that kind of 20 to 25 game slow start again. I think he's matured to the point where that's not going to happen. So if he can put that together for a full 82 game campaign, I I think he's your easy choice for team MVP personally.
0: Taylor, I have to agree with that. I think, I think honestly, he was pretty close last year, even with Tage having 38 goals. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I have to agree. So, I'd have to go with my the second place uh, choice for me has to be Tage mm-hmm. because it's just such an important position. And as much as I like how Skinner did last year, I'm just always gonna gravitate towards a center in this scenario. And I think if you see him get 30 plus goals again and be a you know a playmaker the way he wants to be. Uh, I, I'm really looking for a big year from him, but I do have to agree. I think, I think Darlene's the MVP. And I think the best case scenario for the Sabres is it's not even close. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you have to leave talking about like, Hey, look, it's Rasmus Darlene, like kind of the guy we thought he was going to be.
2: I'll say this though. If you're talking about value per dollar, I think Alex Tuck is going to be your guy. I mean, his contract is so good. Oh yeah. I I hope. And I think that the starting line combinations maybe an indication of where this is going i i hope and i think granado's plan is to use him as almost a floater to to kind of bolster maybe struggling lines all year or or younger guys who who need to kind of get into a groove because he's a, i have i've i've kind of coined this phrase a little bit he's a blood type o negative player where he is compatible with pretty much anyone pretty much any skill set um and he just tend he just has a propensity to elevate um the you know on ice expected results um for all of his line mates just historically and and last year as well so uh he's starting the year with casey middlestat and jack quinn which i think is fantastic for those two young guys especially middlestat who this is probably his last chance to show he should garner consideration for being part of this future core um so i think if you want to go value per dollar like in terms of not just on ice performance but what you're paying for i think Alex Tuck belongs in that conversation for sure so
1: Absolutely. while we're talking well yeah I agree and I also will say to um Darlene also my team MVP choice this year so again the three of us will be right about everything well. <laughs> um but I do want to talk about the young guys here a little bit because I think we're in a really really interesting spot where to varying degrees there's a lot riding on this year for some of these young guys so you look at <clears throat> Middlestad, for example, Middle set's probably the most extreme where it's like, this guy is literally playing for a spot on this team in the future. If he does not turn into the guy that we saw at the end of the year, two years ago, and who we saw for spurts down the stretch last year as well. And even exceeding that there's a pretty much like a guarantee chance. He's not going to be here. Yeah. Dylan cousins in a very different way. This is a very pivotal year for him where he is being expected to really step into this bigger, you know, like, shut down role we'll call it not necessarily shut down in the sense of like the uh um, tough matchups as yeah the mean. tough yeah. matchup mm-hmm. role. exactly and on top of that too that we need to see some production too i think that there definitely needs to be a jump in production from him and it's going to be like okay is this is this guy you know like ready to step in and maybe be like a legitimate second line center now On top of that, then, again, to another completely different degree, you have guys like Quinn and Paterka who are just getting their first real extended taste of NHL action who are going to be able to prove, you know, how they can hack it from the gate as rookies. Obviously, they're not like middle stat where they're at the point of needing to, you know, feel as though their jobs are on the line or like cousins where they need to step into a role right now, but very pivotal for the long-term success of this team among the forward groups. So I'm just kind of wondering, Anth and and Taylor, you know, who – among those kind of younger guy storylines do you think are you most interested in for one but also do you think is most pivotal pivotal to the long-term success of the team
2: i think the guy i'm most interested in sheerly because and we saw an uptick in his underlying numbers as the year went on but overall his analytics were brutal is peyton krebs um He is the young guy who, aside from Middlestad, who is is like he's like we've kind of alluded to here, we think on the precipice of maybe not being part of the conversation for the forward, you know, for this group moving forward. Um, I I don't think Peyton Krebs situation is quite as dire. I don't think his leash is quite as short, um, obviously. But I I likened him on our podcast uh, to Yogi Haru of, of last year, where um it it was never like hey you know we might have to trade this guy if he doesn't play well but it was a a pivotal year for his development yoki haru fell absolutely flat last season so i think in terms of development for trajectory um he's the guy more than cousins because i i think i i like cousins a lot more point product the point production thing is just a result of him being picked ahead of trevor's egress and he'll live with that forever unfortunately um you know when that guy's doing highlight real stuff people are going to always say well we need more from our guy it's like well he's he's doing a lot of good stuff already but oh of um, course,
1: not to discredit
2: obviously no but- and i don't think you were I, I, by the way i wasn't a shot at you i think a lot of people just undervalue cousins in general because they look at the guy doing the michigan in anaheim it's like cool sure. their their underlings are basically the same but um cousins regardless- can
0: one-up him by inventing the tennis style goal
2: Yes, I'm not sure go. what
0: that is yet, but you know that's kind of on him to figure. So it out. So not
2: not on the forehand, the 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 tap in in the air. He's got to do a backhand tap in. Mm, okay, then, yeah. There you go. Damn. Um, or just over his head, but that's not legal. Um, call it the serve. Uh, <laughs> we've, we've we've gotten completely off the rails, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but the, that guy for me, who I'm going to be most interested in from a developmental standpoint, is definitely Krebs, uh, because he has. I think the widest range of outcomes and he's a guy who he was a key piece of that Eichel deal. Right. So, so you want to see him succeed. You want, you know, I mean, obviously they, they thought, they think he will. Um, otherwise they wouldn't have kind of insisted on him as the prospect coming back. Cause there were other prospects in that Vegas system who they could have honed in on. Um, so that, that's definitely my choice for, for low key dude. You should be watching who, who does have something to prove this year.
1: I think the interesting thing with Krebs, too, is that we're going to find out also, is is he a center or is he a winger? Because he could play both. I mean, I think that they probably traded for him with the intent of him wanting to be a center. But as we've seen, Granado has switched. There's been, I mean, last year for one, but even throughout the preseason, there were points where he's lining up at center. Other times where he's lining up on the wing. Of course, he's going to start the year on the wing. Um, so I think it's. I'm with you that I, he is definitely up the list for me and I can't believe I didn't bring him up in my, my intro to that question there, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's pivotal, you know, like, is that going to be, you know, is he a, is he a middle six guy or is he a top six guy? Mm. I think that's going to be really the big question that's, that's going to come from with him because. You know, like you said, with the wide range of outcomes, all of the tools are there. I mean, he's maybe the best skater on the team just in terms of like breakaway speed right now. And I also think too last year, and I don't mean this in like a, a premature way or getting too over, or over my head, or in my head about it, but like you see when he has the puck on a stick in the offensive zone and his vision and his passing ability, it's, it's kind of reminiscent of Sam Reinhardt a little bit in the way that he's just able to find some very tight seams and he could be, within not even a second have his back to the play get the puck on a stick and then all of a sudden the puck is on somebody's stick in front of the net or in the slot or it's back to the point like he just he understands the game so well that it's just I think a matter of him just kind of putting the mental together of it all like the the speed and then the the passing and playmaking ability kind of merging them into one and that's really how he's going to be able to you know, I I guess find his true ceiling because he does have those traits that if he can hone them more, like we're talking really high end traits here with this guy.
2: Multi- yeah, like like you said, I mean the the skating and the passing he has those elite baseline traits that, that, you know, he, he could be an, uh, he's got upside as a playmaker. I mean, you know, he's never going to be a, a 30 to 40 goal guy, but he can be an, an outstanding playmaker. But I think the one thing I said at the end of last season about him that, that I think would do him the most good. And it's funny because people think analytics guys don't care about this, but we do, he need he need to put on strength. Um, His, his, um. Lack of a proclivity for contact, I guess, was concerning last year, right? Because um if he didn't have open ice, he struggled. And as soon as opposing defenses started kind of pressing him and, and forcing the issue when the puck was on his stick, you saw those really elite, incredible threaded passes, and and you know that that kind of playmaking ability go to the wayside a bit, and he struggled. Um, and then he got caught by Surprise, you know, by that physicality, so many times where his back check was then affected. He, he, but again, like, like Cousins, he toward the end of last year, you saw kind of progressive upticks in, in his production, right? Um, from an underlying standpoint, and he got better defensively, I thought. So, um, he's got a long way to go, but uh, I think what I saw at the end of last year was promising. The one thing that does concern me is the line he's on right now, um, because I, I think you've got you've got Paterka who. I love him as a prospect don't get me wrong he was I was over the moon when they traded up for him because he was my favorite guy in that second round um, I don't think he should have made the starting 12 over Henestroza. I don't think he showed enough in, in preseason um, but uh, you've got you've got a guy who is not awesome defensively he's fine at it but I think his biggest critique from the Rochester fans I talked to last year was that yeah he scores a lot and he's he's really dynamic offensively but um, he struggles on the back check right so the question you got to ask now is dylan cousins good enough uh, from a two-way standpoint to kind of make up for two guys two wingers who maybe aren't so good in that regard um Mm. i think you're asking a lot of cousins in that in that role and i think you're maybe setting krebs up for some disappointment maybe early um but again line combinations are so fluid it could be different by by this weekend so i'm not going to read too much into it but um that line will be the one I watched the closest, I think, to start the year.
1: Totally. Taylor, who do you got for your young guy that you're really you think is most pivotal to, uh, you know, their own development and the success of the team?
0: Yeah. So none of us have said really Jack Quinn as an answer yet, um, but I'm not going to either. <laughs> so I take this as an assumption that we all think Jack Quinn is going to be pretty good. Uh, I'm going to go with Paterka because I think he's a, it's really interesting. Like, like you said, Anthony, I don't think people really expecting him to make the, the 12, uh, the top 12, top 12 this year, the starting lineup, basically. Mm-hmm. I don't think people are expecting him to be in the opening night lineup. Uh, even though, you know, last year he had a really good training camp. And some people kind of talked about him, I don't know, making the roster last year, even though that wasn't really feasible. And I think there were some points last season where people thought that even the off season and the fact that they brought in, you know, Henestros and Cheyenne made people, not think that was going to be the case. And now it is the case. I'm, I'm honestly kind of surprised too. Uh, but that's not really what I'm, that why I'm interested in him. I'm a little bit interested in why he's up. Cause I don't, I think the consensus is he had a perfectly fine, but not overly impressive training camp in preseason. So what I'm really interested in is what kind of rookie year is he going to have? Like, is he going to have a year that's the equivalent of like, let's say like Krebs last year, which should be somewhat disappointing, but maybe not. Is he going to show some skill, but be overwhelmed? Uh, is he going to get to play with some of the, you know, the young fellas he played with in Rochester last year, the any potential chemistry with those guys? And what if he just looks kind of bad? Like that'd be it, not that'd be a long-term concern. It would just, I think have a lot of people thinking, well, why don't you just start him in Rochester? You have all, you have a billion other guys you could play. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I guess what I'm really interested in is why is he up? What is uh what do Granado and Adam see in him? That's going to, uh, have uh, caused them to have them start the season uh, up here in the starting lineup.
1: Definitely something to wonder. And it's going to be even more interesting once Riley Sheehan comes back from injury, because <clears throat> you have Bjork and, uh, and and Vinny right now as your extra forwards, So someone's going to have to give there. And on top of that too, I mean, maybe that this is their plan that Paterka ends up going back down if he's not able to hack it, because I think we were all, admittedly a little bit surprised that Asplund is playing fourth line center right now too. And I think that Asplund kind of has that ability in a, in a different way, but kind of similar to tuck where if there is a line that maybe there is that imbalance when it comes to your, you know, defensive prowess there, you stick him on that line. And it's like, boom, we got our guy there, you know? And I think that he's somebody who can absolutely come in handy. And he showed last year, he has the versatility to play throughout the lineup. And on top of that, One of the things that Taylor and I have been discussing a lot lately, and you could tell that Asplund has tried to place an emphasis on in the off season. We saw it at the world championships too, is I think what is going to determine Asplund's true ceiling is just how much of the offensive game can come along as well. Obviously defense is his bread and butter. Don't get me wrong. Like the guy got Selkie votes last year for Christ's sake. Like, of course, like that is what he is great at. But I just mean in terms of like his overall, like long-term value, like if he can add a little bit of a scoring touch where like, if he's playing in the top nine and he can get you a, like, I don't know, like 35-ish points, 40 points, like that's, I'm going to take that for my best defensive forward, like all day, like every day of the week. And I should say best defensive forward, who's like, not like a top line guy. I mean, obviously like somebody that's like that jackknife, that's maybe playing mostly like third line. You could flex him to the second if need be, but like if Aspen can become that kind of guy where there is a little bit of a scoring touch there too, in addition to the dominant defensive game. Oh my God. Like this, that, that is just another key piece to the puzzle that's going to be here and is going to be essential to this team when they're trying to compete in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, Taylor, you go because I'm actually pulling up a stat right now on Asplund, and I, I want to get it right. Um, I don't, I don't want to misquote. Okay, so I've got it. Uh, okay. So, so if you want to, and I agree with everything you said, Brendan. I mean, a hundred percent agree. Um, if you want an example of of the kind of if you're analytics inclined, um, the kind of impact he has, Rasmus Asplund with Victor Olofsson, right? And the sample size with Olofsson and the sample size Olofsson spent without Asplund last year are pretty much the same. They're very, they're very comparable time on ice numbers, right? With Asplund, Victor Olofsson's expected goal rate was 52.12%, which is very good. Yeah. Without Asplund 41.5%, an 11% oh. Delta. Oh. Okay. So if you want to think Ow. about it, and, and I, I, I wanted to have that ready because as soon as you said he can serve in that kind of tuck role where we're not the same type of player but yeah. he can elevate his line mates Olsen was the best example of that and it's my biggest concern right now with having them separated because Victor Olafson with Rasmus Asplund is a very valuable player historically without him not so much He's he's a one-trick pony so that's a, a low key storyline to watch there to see if they move Aspen back to be more of a complimentary scoring line guy to kind of even out the skill sets. Cause I agree, I hate having him on that fourth line. I think it's a, it's a mistake. But again, I don't think
1: I, he, I don't want to read
2: into line combos this early. Yeah. But, uh, you know, to start, it's, it's, it, it's an eyebrow racer.
0: They have like a billion guys that can play on the fourth line. This is not a need they have. So I'd really like to see him up the lineup more too. Uh, But so that's pretty much it. We all we have on the Sabres for now. I'm going to, we're going to talk about some, uh, the the rest of the divisions. Uh, But before we get to that, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors here. uh, DraftKings. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. So, for example, if you want to bet on tomorrow night's game, uh, you know, maybe, uh, or sorry, tonight's game, when you're listening to this, it's Thursday, you want to bet someone uh, like Jack Quinn, you know, he joins the likes of, like, some other former Sabres, a guy named Jack I won't mention, or uh, someone cool like Steve Bernier, or someone, you know, almost as cool as Steve Bernier, like Danny Gare, and scores in his first game as a Sabre. Maybe you want to bet on that. You might get good odds on it. Who knows? And now that I'm saying this, though, Jack Quinn did play a game last year, though, didn't he? He did. Mm, never mind all that, but bet on Jack Quinn to score anyway. <laughs> I totally forgot Jack Quinn played a game last year while I was saying that. Uh, friggin' Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's not the bet. The bet's just to score a goal. So, you know what? I like that. Jack Quinn scoring tomorrow. That sounds good to me. Anyway, if that wasn't enough excitement, me getting Jack Quinn wrong, that's what that's referring to. You can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot, even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, about $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. Official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See our show notes for details and responsible gambling resources.
1: All right, friends, let's get on in to these divisional rankings. So what we'll do here as we've done the past couple of years, we will go one by one, each taking a turn at going through and giving One to eight, who we have in order and how each of the divisions are going to finish. And let's start off with none other than the Atlantic. Anthony, would you like to do us the honors of giving us your Atlantic division rankings first?
2: Sure. Um, Yeah, sorry. I was just typing something in. Uh, I just wanted to make sure I got it right here. Do you want me to go from the top uh, down or from the bottom up?
1: Taylor, what do you think? Uh, Bottom up.
2: Okay, so I think finishing last is going to be Montreal. Um, I think that's probably a relatively easy choice here. Um, that they, they just don't really have any depth to speak of. Um, Jake Allen played well last year, but you're kind of relying on him to be the guy now, and he's older. There's um, and their defense is atrocious, so um, I think that's a pretty easy bet. I'm going to go. Against the grain here. I think second to last in the division is going to be Detroit. Um, I know it's year one of the wiser plan and that's important. Um, but I really didn't love a lot of their additions. They, they made a lot of moves. I I think several of them were, were head scratchers for me. So, um, I think I'll go with them, uh, in the seventh spot. Um, after that, I've got Buffalo. And the reason that Ottawa edges them out is because I really liked Ottawa's offseason. I don't think they've made themselves a playoff contender yet, but I think they started a, a very similar rebuild to Buffalo and they're just a year ahead in it. Um, I think they're a year kind of closer to their core hitting prime. Um, you know, they brought in to Brinkhead. They, they did some really nice stuff. So I've got Ottawa just edging the Sabres out for fifth in the division. Um, then obviously Ottawa is next. Uh, followed by Boston. I think Boston ends up fourth. Um, they're going to try to run it back one more time with Bergeron and, and try to, you know, do a, a last dance kind of thing. Um, <laughs> I just don't think they're, they're quite deep enough to be in the top three. Uh, I have Toronto third. Um, they're still really strong. They they brought back essentially the same team, which is a really good regular season team as we know, but then they get absolutely shelled in the playoffs because their goalie and defense are bad goalie and defense are still bad and their forward group is largely the same um second in the division i am going to go with the florida panthers um they lost huberdo they lost wegar but but they replaced them with with really good players um so i'm i'm pretty high on their likelihood i mean matthew is probably the best winger in the nhl um i think i don't think they're going to see any kind of diminishing return and where they stand, you know, where they end up in the standings. And then lastly, until someone unseats them, I've got Tampa finishing first, because until they're not, they're the best team in the Atlantic.
1: All right. I like that. Taylor, you want to go next?
0: Yeah. So I pretty much did this on uh, Monday's episode, different format, but I already gave my uh, order and I didn't change it since then. So just to do that again, it's uh, Montreal eighth, Ottawa, seventh Buffalo, sixth Detroit, fifth Boston, fourth, Tampa third, Florida second, and Toronto winning division. Uh, and if you're uh, interested in in why, uh, I guess listen to Monday's episode. It was a it was a unique take on things. I would say using movie quotes. Yes, I did. I used movie quotes to explain my myself there.
1: All right, well, mine is different than both of yours, and I'm sure that this is probably going to make some people not too happy with me. But four starters in in the eighth spot. I of course have Montreal for all the reasons you guys have lined up there. Seventh. I do have our Buffalo Sabres coming in seventh here. And I will say that again, with what I have said all off season and what I'm going to say all throughout this season, which is Ottawa and Detroit made moves this off season to make them better this year. The Sabres are built to be better than them two years down the road, three years down the road and beyond. I think that to Anthony's point, Ottawa's core feels like it's maybe a year ahead or just in general, whatever, um, I don't think it's as much of a, a sure thing that for what kind of guy they're going to have in drew there, obviously to is like a huge ad, but they have a lot of question marks and goal. But I think that for the time being though, that still, I, I just think for Buffalo, there is a, a very real chance that they are going to be able to take real steps this year, similar to last year. They could end up again with maybe they end up with like 83, 84 points and they still finish second, last in the division, and I think that would still, you know, be a success for them. I think that we could still see key development from some of the young guys who we need to see continued growth from guys like Tage Skinner still, still stays solid um, Tuck, you know, all those guys. But I just think that there's a lot of question marks and goal right now. We don't know what Eric Comrie is going to be. He was great as a backup last year, but that was his first opportunity at getting an extended look as being a backup. We don't know what's going on. I mean, Craig Anderson, like he is, very old and there's a good chance he's going to get hurt at some point we're probably going to end up seeing upl we don't know what kind of guy we're going to get there so i think that there's just some real question marks in goal i think i'm not necessarily and i'm saying all this now like i'm very optimistic for this year but there's just these are just my concerns i have some real concerns about who is going to be playing with owen power because i do not want 82 games of owen power dragging henry Yokiharyu's lifeless body around on the ice I think that was maybe even more so than in goal, the Sabres move that they needed to make that they didn't make this year for getting somebody established to play with him, because this is exactly what they did with Darlene. And it was a mistake then. And it's a mistake. Now you need to go out and get a guy who is a quality player, who is going to be able to support power and not just be somebody that power again has to drag around on the ice, somebody that's going to make power better. And so I do think that there's some concerns there. You know, I like the Labushkin signing and I think that him and Bryson together is is going to end up being a pretty nice third pair and is going to ultimately be really good for Bryson. Um, but yeah, and I think that also there's just a lot of, a lot of question marks up front too. You know, like I do think that we're going to see growth with guys, but like we're hedging our bets right now with Casey Metalstadt being able to, you know, take a step this year because he has Tuck next to him and, and Quinn next to him. And it's the most talent that they've had in this top nine in a bit but in terms of like the depth within it. But I just think that you're relying on Quinn to come in and maybe produce right away when we've seen from him that it may, it usually takes him a little bit of time to adjust the level that he's playing at when he gets to a new level. Um I Paterka, we don't know again, like if he's going to look like Krebs last year, which like there could be some good in that, but there also could be some bad in that. Is Krebs going to be ready to take that step this year? Is he going to be a center or a wing? Is Cousins going to be able to start to put some points up too? um and so i just think that even though they're finishing i haven't finishing 7th now i will go as far to say they finish 7th now but they finish 4th and make the playoffs next year so wow. with that being said though i will move on next then at the 6th spot i have ottawa again for the reasons i mentioned i don't have them up more though because i think that goaltending is a huge question mark and them hedging their bets on cam talbot whenever he gets healthy is risky Anton Forsberg, Forsberg looked good for them last year. But again, like, is he going to be able to replicate that? Like, I think he had a 918 save percentage, is he going to be able to do that again? And I also think they have some question marks on their blue line too, uh, until a time comes when, you know, a guy like Sanderson is really able to step into his own and, and give them a little bit more depth there. Third, or uh, excuse me, not third, Jesus. Uh, fifth, I have Detroit. Uh again, Similar to Ottawa, where I think they made moves this year that are going to help them be better now, but aren't really going to be conducive to the long term. I I don't get the David Perron signing, even though I'm a a big Perron fan. It just felt like he made way it made way more sense for him to go to a contender where he could fill in and be uh, a, you know, second line or middle six winger and contribute there. Um, But, you know, he's going to contribute for them. You have to think cider is going to keep looking good. They have Lucas Raymond. They have a lot of good youth in the system. And the key thing with them too, that I think is going to be very important is Dylan Larkin is in a contract year this year, and he looked real good with Lucas Raymond last year. So you put a contract year here. And then again, his, you know, revitalization or growth, whatever you want to call it with Lucas Raymond next to him, along with some more of that young depth that they have in that forward group. I think that Detroit, again, like they'll probably end up finishing not much, but a little bit ahead of Ottawa Four spot. I have Boston. Then we we all differ here again. Taylor, I am with you. I have Tampa coming in third in the division this year. I do think that, again, Anthony, to your point, that until somebody can unseat them in the playoffs, like that's completely fair. But at some point or another, playing in three Stanley cups in a row, like that's going to catch up to you with like from a longevity perspective. And they did have some losses this year. They are that team that always feels like they can just like plug in a new guy and just keep it rolling. But I think that, you know, between losing McDonough, I think that's a pretty, you know, decent hit to their blue line. And then on top of that too, Andre Palat, he's stepping into a bigger role with New Jersey, but I think having him for secondary scoring was relatively important for them too and also helped cover up a lot when they had dealt with injuries over the past couple of years that they were able to move him up and down the lineup um second I would also
0: like to note that they have finished third two years in a row this is just kind of their regular regular spot well, yeah. these days um second i have toronto i
1: think toronto probably has the best forward and defensive group that they have had in the Matthews era in terms of just like overall depth and and talent from top to bottom, especially, you know, in, in, among their <clears throat> bottom four defensemen and their bottom two lines there. I think that this is probably as good as it's been for Matthews to date, but my God, there are just so many question marks there in goal. And even though there are question marks there, they were still able to, again, like get through it with, with Jack Campbell, not looking good in the second half of last year. I think, Samsonov is probably going to be the one that's going to take a hold of that job. I just don't know about Murray. I mean, I would have liked if the Sabres would have been able to make that move happen for him, but again, not for the reason of having Matt Murray be our goalie for the additional uh, pick reasons. But, uh, and then last I have Florida, I think again, to the point about Matthew Kachuk, like obviously losing Huberto is one thing and losing Uyghur is really tough as well. But Matthew Kachuk, again, there's nobody in the league who really can do what he does into the level that he does. You know, it's another 100 point guy right there. And then also, too, they have, you know, some good young pieces to like as well. I mean, Anton Lindell looked pretty damn good as a rookie last year. And I think he's just going to keep getting better. And then this also means a bigger role for Sam Reinhardt for them this year. And Reinhardt was playing, I don't have the number in front of me off the top of my head, but often this man was playing on the third line for them. And he was getting power play one minutes, which obviously helped. But like the man was playing at a point per game place, paying on the second and third line for the majority of the season. I don't even think he, he did not have many minutes with Barkov on that top line and he's playing on the wing too. So I still think that Florida is going to be a force to be reckoned with here. And especially if Spencer Knight is able to step up and and really put it together there and and take this step and show that he could be, you know, like a a guy to like fully split the workload with Bobrovsky. So I got Florida at the top of mind there. Let's move on now to the Metro Taylor. You want to go first?
0: Sure. Uh, I think last place here is pretty easy. Philadelphia seems to be, and everything but their coaching hire, they seem to be almost tanking, like they're really interested in Bedard. I don't know why in that case they brought in Tortorella, but they finished last year terribly. And By finished, I mean like the last 55 games of the season. And they've just really been in a free fall since, since COVID, really. Maybe that's what got them. It's been a tough, like, two and a half years for them, and they definitely seem like they're interested in rebuilding. I mean, trading Claude Giroux seems like the final nail in that coffin. So for the first time that I really remember in my life, they're they're probably going to go under an extensive rebuild. Uh, So, yeah, they seem to be the obvious candidate for last place because everyone else in this division is trying to win. Um, And that's why I have to have a pretty good team in seventh place in the New York Islanders, uh, who had a down year last year. They did re-sign Barzell, which is good for them. But I think what really made them the three previous years to last year was their identity as a team. And that, I think, was partially formed by Barry Trotz. And he's not there anymore. And I don't know. I don't know what you're going to get out of Lane Lambert. I don't know what that's going to be like. So I don't really trust a team that can't score. I do like their goaltending. So I think they do have a good shot of being better than this. But I couldn't decide who to really put seventh. And then sixth, I have Columbus. Uh, Columbus, I really thought about putting seventh. I really like, you know, signing Gaudreau. That's awesome. That's an incredible signing. Uh, they should immediately be more exciting. Would be pretty worried about their goaltending still. Uh, I like their prospect pool overall. Like that, they've had some some high picks the last couple of years. And they have some exciting guys coming up. They're probably not ready to win just yet. But yeah, that's. I don't really trust either of the guys that they uh, potentially could have in net this year. And then uh fifth, I'll have uh this is gonna be this is uh the my hottest take I think I have in here. It's the New York Rangers fifth. Wow. Um, Pop, I, I love it. I think Shusterkin was incredible last year. He didn't have to play a ton of games. And to you know, to be fair, the to the Rangers, they did do okay uh with Georgiev not being all that awesome for a lot of the year in his uh his backup role. But he can't be what he was last year. (laughs) He literally can't do that again. That's absurd. Uh, And what it comes down to is like, yeah, I think Adam Fox is really good. I think he'll be just as good as he was. Chris Kreider, not going to score 52 goals again. Zibanejad should still be pretty good. Panarin should be good. But Panarin, Zibanejad aren't going to be better than they were. If anything, they'd be worse. I think probably in the most likely scenario that they'll be about the same or slightly, slightly worse. Uh, And then it comes down to how much do you believe in their young guys like Kako and Lafreniere and other guys stepping up. I don't. And that's why I have them fifth. Uh, they could still be a playoff team theoretically in that spot. Uh, but yeah, that's why I have them fifth. And then fourth, New Jersey, this really, really depends. And I think what this would require is a huge swing in the respective goaltending performances from the year prior among these two teams. If New Jersey's going to pass New York this year, they need to get, solid okay goaltending. That or they need uh that to not happen right away and then our old friend Lily Ruff gets fired. Maybe they get some kind of dead cat bounce. Andrew Burnett seems like the obvious guy to step in there. But really what I wanted to illustrate here is first of all I like the Pilates signing. I like last year the, the Hamilton signing. And I I think He sure's a he's a really good solid guy, underrated probably. And I, I predicted on a, a show a couple days ago, this was going to be a gigantic, huge breakout year for Jack Hughes, where he could even get hard trophy votes. And the way he would do that is if the Devils actually made the playoffs. And then the top three, I didn't really know what to do at this point. I think these teams from, especially from like two to five here, are super bunched up. But yeah, so I have three Washington. They seem to be in decline. They were not really good last year, but they might get better goaltending this year with Kemper. And if they're the same team as last year, but with better goaltending, they'll be pretty solid second i have pittsburgh they're old as shit and i don't like their depth or prospects at all but you can't bet against pittsburgh i mean they're good every regular season so and then unfortunately i have carolina in first they're good at everything all right anth who do you
1: got
2: yeah so my bottom three are are exactly the same as taylor's um for a lot pretty much all the reasons you mentioned the flyers are a tank team they're by my estimation one of the bottom five teams in the nhl um i don't see any team in this division being worse than them from a talent standpoint from a system standpoint from relying on rasmus first line, for 25 minutes a game standpoint um <laughs> i think they're going to be just a dumpster fire um second to last i i know you you had these flip-flop but i could I could listen to an argument for either. I've got Columbus at seventh Um, Islanders barely edged them out. I just think Columbus, like you said, does have some good young talent in their, in their pool right now. I do think they're probably still a year away from seeing that matriculate in any meaningful fashion. Um, And I think the Islanders did underperform to a degree last year. Um, So I've got the Isles at sixth coming in at fifth for me. And this is one that, that it's tough because this is this is that I recognize this is my hottest take, and my love for a specific team up this list is is cl- probably clouding my judgment. Um, fifth, I've got the capitals. um I, I believe that they are on the precipice of aging out as one of those top teams. um i i just I just don't like them. I mean, if I'm being completely frank, I don't think they have the depth. I don't think they have the um i think they traded away a lot of really good analytics guys who were kind of um supposed to be successors especially on the blue line uh jonas Siegenthaler is a great example um because they needed to have an 88 year old Zdeno chara for some reason but um he's gone now obviously and i just i don't love their depth personally and i I think their goaltending is fine i don't know they're just not as sexy to me as they used to be um (laughs) I'm just, if, if I'm being honest, um, he
0: yeah. went gray, man.
2: I know he did go gray. That's probably the whole thing. Um <laughs> Number four for me, I've got the Rangers and I agree with what you said there. They, no team in the league overperformed from an expected goal standpoint versus actual goal differential. Um Obviously goaltending had a huge, huge role in that right so they need another elite elite season from Shisirkin to even be a playoff team by my eye and like you said a lot of their forwards are aging uh, and Chris Kreider's not going to score 52 again he's just not that guy right so I think in a lot of facets of their team they caught lightning in a bottle last year which allowed them to finish where they did I don't see it happening again uh coming in fourth in division I have the New Jersey Devils I love New Jersey. They are my, aside from the Sabres, obviously, they are my favorite rebuilding slash like, you know, a team that's on the the edge of finishing their rebuild in the league. I think from top to bottom, that team is going to dominate the Metro for a decade, give it two years, and that's going to be an elite team in this league um huge fan of everything they've done in the rebuild. I think they're right on the edge. I think they'll be a playoff team this year. um but I think moving forward they'll be an actual contender for a long time um I, I think top to bottom they've done some really good stuff um coming in third, I've got Pittsburgh, yeah, same thing kind of as Washington. They're aging out. I just think they're deeper and I think that they're just their forward group is good and their defensive group is sick. I mean, I love the Penguins defense. They may have my be- my favorite defense in the league. I mean, you've got Dumlin and Latang on that top pair. They brought in Jeff Petrie. Marcus Pedersen's a good player. And then your third pairing of Jan Ruda and Pierre Oliver-Joseph, like it's just solid all around. They don't really have a weakness on that blue line. So big fan of Pittsburgh, though. I do think you're going to hit some aging curves there, which is why I don't have them higher. Um, second in the division. What did I do here? Wait. No, I have them at second. Sorry, I lost I lost my train of thought. Yeah, Rangers, Devils, Pittsburgh. Okay, and then obviously finishing first is Carolina. Uh, I think top to bottom, they're just ridiculously deep. I think they're head and shoulders above every other team in the Metro.
0: Yeah. All right.
1: Cool. I'll run quickly through mine. Uh, same as you guys, I have Philly last. Second last, I have Columbus. Then after that, I had the Islanders, and really I was with you guys where it feels like they're them and Columbus are kind of close, but I gave the Islanders the edge just because goaltending in Sorokin is just significantly better. Um after that, this is another one that is it just feels really neck and neck for me. But I put New Jersey then in the five spot there. I think they're gonna take a step here. I, I hope that it means that Lindy is going to continue to have a job. I uh, would love to see him have success with them. And I do think that Jack Hughes is going to end up taking a huge step here into Taylor's point. Them doing anything this year is pretty much going to also result in Hughes getting uh heart trophy votes, which I think from what we saw last year from him absolutely is living up to as good as advertised when he came out of the draft. After that, then I have New York just because I do think there's going to be some regression there, but I don't know if it's going to be enough Um, And again, I think just goaltending is a big differentiator for me. Even if Shesterkin does take a step back a little bit this year, I trust him being able to drag the Rangers to the four spot rather than Vanacek playing up to – or Blackwood playing up to that standard. Three, I have Pittsburgh. Same things that you guys said. I think that they're pretty old, but again, I'm not out here going to bet against Sidney Crosby, and I think that they just kind of will themselves into being in the playoffs every year in that conversation. Two, I have Washington, and I do think that Darcy Kemper bringing him and playing goal is going to give them some much-needed stability and net. Obviously, he's not going to be playing in front of a Colorado team that was as good as they were last year, but I still think that Washington has a little bit of juice left in the tank, not necessarily to be a cup team, but that they'll still end up being able to finish second. And Carolina, who I sadly feel like is going to end up in the conference finals this year because they are built very, very well. All right. Let's keep it rolling then. Let's move on to the central. I'll go first for this one since I haven't done that yet. And last, not surprisingly at all, I have the Arizona Coyotes. I don't think that really needs any explanation. Agreed? (laughs) Um, After that, though, I have Chicago. Chicago's interesting because that conversation actually could be had potentially if we, for whatever reason, see them move Kane or Taze during this year. Like if things are really bad and the wheels are really falling off and... I mean, we've, we've seen from this off season after the Debrink cat trade, they're not afraid to get out in the media and say negative things about the decisions that the coaching or that the front office is making. And if it gets to a point where just everything is going horribly and it's irreparable and they want to go play on a winning team, maybe they make that move. But I think regardless of that, they're not good enough to be above that spot anyways. Um, in the sixth spot, I have Winnipeg. So interesting one here. I mean, it, it just feels like winnipeg is just in the midst of a lot of turmoil right now they do have some good young pieces namely like cole perfetti obviously um being maybe at the top of that list of course they made the move for pld last year in exchange for line a and he really had a nice little bounce back year for them you have connor helibuck there but there's a lot of question marks about what's going on in that locker room right now stripping blake wheeler of the captaincy and i think that there's for as small of a market that Winnipeg is and how the media is, I just think it's going to get to their heads. And I don't think that it's, it's going to go well for them this year. I think that maybe they'll have a a similar year to last year where they're like 500 ish, but probably a little bit less. We'll say Um, in the five spot, I have Nashville. I think you're going to see some regression from some of those top guys, namely like Duchesne and Johansson, um and Tanner Genwatu for just like scoring so many goals I think that you're not going to see those guys put up the numbers that they did last year but I still think that they're going to be serviceable I think trading for Ryan McDonough was really nice for their blue line and when you have UC Saros you're going to probably be at least halfway decent after that I have Dallas I think that Dallas even though they're coming in fourth, I think we'll be a playoff team this year. I think that if Ottinger is able to build off of his year last year, and on top of that, maybe even more importantly, that just absolutely dominating performance that he had in the playoffs last year, that it's going to really take them far. On top of that, I think the, that, you know, they have a mix between youth and veteran presence on that team that is going to be conducive for what is the biggest change for that team, which is having Pete DeBoer as the coach. I think that Dallas makes way more sense for the kind of style that DeBoer is as a coach uh, as compared to Vegas. And I think you're going to continue to see young guys like Robertson and Heiskanen take steps, and you're still going to get some quality contributions out of Pavelski. Maybe Sagan can turn things around and and be a little bit better this year as well. So I'm going to put them at fourth. At third, I have St. Louis. Um, they didn't really do a whole lot to improve their blue line, which I think is maybe the biggest, you know, glaring issue that was facing them this year, aside from the like, goaltending, obviously, because you're really hedging your bets on Bennington, being able to be a guy for, you know, the, the whole, the, the whole course of the season here, and you don't have the backup of huso of Huso there to kind of save you and you know let one of the hot hands take it and run with it, so you really got to rely on Bennington here, but I still think that they have enough talent and depth among their forward and the top end of their d that they're going to be able to be serviceable and finish in that three spot. I think probably among the division this is maybe the closest one between St Louis and Dallas for that three spot in the two spot. Minnesota I'm going to go with I am with Taylor and that I'm high on Minnesota this year I think they're going to be really solid I think they have a lot of good young players who are going to continue to step into uh these prominent roles you have Kirill Kaprizov who is going to be up there for the rocket Richard year after year now as we've seen he's going to you know maybe he chases after 50 goals this year um you have Eric Sinek, who is a really really solid two-way forward there Matt Boldy is coming into the mix now on a more full-time basis this year Marco Rossi is there uh you know your blue line isn't in too bad of shape either between Spurgeon and and Dumba and Brodeen and then Kalen Addison too speaking of young guys who I think have a real opportunity to step into a prominent role especially with Addison getting some power play minutes this year so I do like Minnesota a lot and then in first even though they took some hits in the off season and lost a few key contributors. I am still going with Colorado to win the central, not exactly breaking news by any means, but I just think between the top line that you have there with Landis, McKinnon and Rantanen, and then the ability to also move that those guys around a little bit, combined with the fact that you have a guy who I think is going to end up in the top three in Hart voting this year, if not winning it in Cal McCarr, who I think is going to chase hundred points this year beyond that. And their D Bowen Byram, I think is really going to step up. He looked really good down the stretch for them last year and into the playoffs. You're going to have a healthy Sam Girard back now too, which is really big for them. You have Devin Tays on that blue line. I mean, they're top four. They're, they're honestly, their top set. Like their whole defensive core is just really rock solid. You have a lot of question marks there and goal with Georgiev, but we saw Kemper really thrive with them last year. Of course, Kemper was all right with Arizona and it just seemed like he needed to get out of there to show what he could do but it seemed like he was kind of playing above what we really thought of him prior to that you had Philip Grubauer there and he looked great and then he goes to Seattle and what happens he doesn't look very good so I think just you know you can't just put anybody in that there but I think Georgiev has shown enough that the team in front of him is going to be good enough that they're going to be able to just outscore teams on a night-to-night basis so Anth, want to go through your central division
2: yeah, unfortunately, it's going to be a little boring because it's extremely similar to yours. Um, oh. I, I've got the Coyotes finishing last. Um, obviously, I think they're demonstrably the worst team in the league. Um, Chicago finishing second to last. I think only Philadelphia edges them out for second worst team in the league. Um, so they're I, they're significantly behind everybody else in this division. Where I, I feel the middle is kind of tight. Um, I also have Winnipeg in sixth. Um, a lot of the reasons you mentioned, uh, there seems to be some turmoil in that room. Uh, I, I think outside of their, their kind of top end, uh, at, in the forward group, their depth doesn't impress me at all. Um, and, and Hellebuck, great goalie, but again, how much can you expect him to, to really do there with, with kind of just a, a void of talent elsewhere? Um, in, what am I at here? I keep losing track of this fifth, fifth. I have the Nashville predators as well. Um, I like Nashville. I could see them ending up top three, honestly. Um, I just think that the rest of this division, you know, from, from five up is just so tight. Um, it, it was tough because I had St. Louis here initially, but I, I went with Nashville just because I like St. Louis's core just a little better. I think their forward group is a little more, ta- de- a little deeper, I should say, maybe not more talented, um, but St. Louis kind of gets an asterisk. You need Jordan Bennington to be what he was at the end of last season, not in the beginning. If If not, then they could fall all the way to sixth behind winnipeg um i will put st louis in fourth however I, I do think that their depth will carry them uh i i think i don't think bennington's as good as he was to finish the year or as bad as he was to start it i think he probably somewhere in the middle and i think that likely gets you to that fourth spot in the central um i've got dallas at third um again a lot of the reasons you listed they were able to retain jason robertson which is huge if they wouldn't have done that again you're talking about a free fall because that is easily their best player um one of the top three to five wingers in the nhl uh so so that's good news for them um and they always tend to kind of exceed expectations year over year so um I'll give them the third spot. This is where it was tough for me because I wanted to put the avalanche second, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. They, in terms of elite, elite top end talent, nobody in the league touches them. Um, like you said, there's, there's question marks and goal losing Kemper, which, which is a consideration, right? But I'm going to give them a slight edge over Minnesota who I've gotten the second spot. I love Minnesota. I think they are a sneaky, good team every year. Um, I mean, you got Caprizov, you've got just so much talent there. And they, they are a team that tends to get the most out of their guys, where on paper, maybe they don't impress you so much, uh, especially at forward from a depth standpoint. But they always tend to, I guess, overperform, if you want to say it that way. Um, so I'll give them the second spot. I'll stick with Colorado first, just because of how dominant they were last season. Yeah, like you said, they took some hits. But uh, I think the the important part pieces of that team are all still there, and and I don't see them failing to repeat, at least in terms of being a, a really high-end Stanley Cup contender.
0: All right, so I uh, I would break with you guys a little bit in that I have Chicago last. I think two things, I mean, it's uh, it seems like this might be the two worst teams in the league in the same division, but Chicago, I think they're motivated, it seems like, to get Bedard and to get as good of odds as possible, and at the same time, it also seems like they – W- may be willing to trade Kane. I know we mentioned Taze. I'm not sure how much that matters given his health and the way he's looked the last couple of years. I'm not sure if it super matters whether Taze is on the team or not to to help them avoid finishing last. So that's where I think they are. And I, like I said, Arizona's right ahead of them. Both terrible. Both I could see in last place. So expecting sub 70 point seasons, Arizona really th- doesn't seem like they're any better than last year. Uh, Winnipeg sixth. I agree with that. I think Winnipeg could be a team that if they were in a different division and a different year with a different goalie, they could be in a free fall. Uh, they, they will not respect their coach at all. And the, their locker room stuff's weird and it doesn't seem like anyone wants to play there and they might be making some trades. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, they, they can't be any worse right now. Uh, and then next, I, I went over this a lot, but I have to put Nashville fifth. I think, I think, Saros is really good, so I respect him, but I... Brandon mentioned this. Their top four scorers last year shot outrageous percentages, and that just can't... They're not going to keep up with that, and you already saw that they barely made the playoffs with that. So I only have them dropping from fourth to fifth, uh, and then I have Dallas there as the uh, the fourth team. Luckily, they got Robertson under contract, so that won't be a problem. I really like Ottinger. Uh, unfortunately, Ben and Sagan seem shot, so I don't know if getting, getting from them, and you know, Pavelski was awesome for them last year. I don't know how much longer that can happen, uh, but I like them. And they have some really interesting pieces uh, around the lineup. So I think they're a, a classic, like they'll make the playoffs. They definitely won't make too much noise team. So we'll see and that one. And then three out of St. Louis. I actually really thought of St. Louis uh, potentially uh, in the same group, actually, rather than with Colorado, Minnesota, Losing Hussow, having to rely on Bennington, losing Perrin. And then they also were a team that I think was above their expected goals. So I have them there. If you want to know how I feel about Minnesota, check uh, last Thursday's episode. I really like Minnesota. Awesome depth. They're pretty much good at everything. And I feel like this is going to be a good year for Flurry. and then Colorado. What else is there to say? They're the best team in the league.
1: All right, gentlemen. And last and maybe least, if we're being completely honest, we have the Pacific Division. So, Taylor, would you like to start off? What do you got for your rankings for the Pacific?
0: Yeah, so last place here, uh, I should mention, I don't really think – I think the Pacific is the worst division, but I think they'll also have the smallest range of uh, point outcomes by far among any division. I don't think any of these teams are that terrible. But a team that has the potential to be terrible, if uh, they're really committed to doing some kind of teardown, is San Jose. So San Jose has been on a real downswing these last few years, but they have our old friend, Mike Greer in there now. And he seems like he really wants to get, put his uh handprint on the team to say Uh he, I think he has kind of an identity he has in mind. And this team has a lot of older guys. They have a lot of guys you literally can't move, but that's fine. Cause they're just going to make the team worse anyway. Uh So I think they are, they're kind of in it for Bedard, but they're not going to finish last. So they're going to have to win some kind of lottery, but yeah, I see San Jose as a, not a particularly good team. Like uh, looking at their roster, like who are you still uh, interested in as a player? Timo Meyers. Good hurdles. Good coach. still good. Besides that, it's a lot of like, oof, that guy was much better. Like four years ago, slash who the hell is that? Um, Mark Edward Vlasic is a good example. I think he went from being like a huge bargain to being, Terrible and <laughs> an awful contract. Uh, unfortunately, Eric Carlson, not what he used to be. Uh, so a lot of, uh, a lot of guys here, uh, not good. It's not a good look. And I think they, they'll they be, Mark, Mike Greer will be, uh, have the inspiration to make some changes this year for sure. So I see them last seventh. I have Seattle. I think Seattle will be better than they were last year. I mean, they couldn't be worse, but, it really, I really wanted to say they could have gone up to like, almost like playoff caliber type team or just outside the playoff picture, but just like, how do you trust Philip Grubauer after a season like that? I can't do it. Uh And I, I look at them and uh, they, they've definitely got better. It's going to be really interesting to see them play with uh Berniers and Wright, And then also have Burakovsky now, but they were real. And I'm not, who did they, was it Yanni Gord last year that missed basically the entire year? So They'll be a better they'll be better at scoring, no doubt. And I think this jumping up to seventh uh will be a, a big they'll, they'll have, it'll represent a big uh increase in points or a sizable increase in points, but I super don't trust their goaltending and I won't trust it until I see Philip Grubauer look better than like late stage Carter Hutton. Um <laughs> so that then just bad. above Yeah. Just above them I have Anaheim, who's an interesting spot. they, they had a really good start to last year, but I definitely didn't seem sustainable and especially what Troy Terry was doing. Uh, But they, they have like, look, we've mentioned the young guys before Zegers and Drysdale kind of headlined that group. They sold at the deadline last year, which is good for the future. Not necessarily for the right now, which is fine. Uh, They might've lost those guys anyway, but I think they're, they're an intriguing team. And I, I see them as not a playoff team, but it'll be an interesting season in Anaheim. Like their fans should be excited. Fifth, I have Vancouver. Uh, I think they are basically right, right on the the, the money. Like they could be right there uh, in the playoffs. I I definitely see that as a possibility because I really like Bruce Boudreau. He's really good at his job. Uh, he's someone that I I trust a lot as a coach, ba- basically in the regular season more than almost any coach. And I think I think Miller had 99 points last year, if I'm not mistaken. Just missed out on 100, so that's a, a kind of an underrated guy. Probably would be a much bigger deal if he wasn't playing on the West Coast. Uh, yeah, so I, I really like them, and honestly, they had an awesome finish to last season. Like, the last basically, as soon as Bajero came in, like Bajero came in, it was like 40, 50 games of them playing kind of like a playoff team. Uh, and they have good goaltending, I like their goaltending. Uh, just barely above them, I would have the Kings, who were in the playoffs last year, came very close to winning around in the playoffs, weren't all that great though. And I think they, to the extent they were good. Uh, they didn't so, for example, they only had the plus three goal differential, I believe. That's not really a playoff goal differential. And to the extent they were good, it was some a lot of contributions from veterans, you would say guys that you probably weren't you, you didn't think were going to contribute as much at that stage. Uh, they I don't think they got the kind of breakout from the young guys that they wanted to get. And maybe that happens this year, and if it does, it could change a lot. Uh, they, they could be significantly better than where I have them projected right now. But right now I see them as a team in the, the low to mid nineties, which is also where I see Vancouver, which is also where I see my third place team, Vegas, Vegas, obviously very talented. And if Eichel is uh, going to get back to even 90% of what he was in the 2019, 20 season, they will be pretty likely a playoff team, but man, right about what I said with Seattle, I do not know about this goaltending. I mean, no one does. You literally don't know about them because <laughs> we haven't barely seen these guys play. Uh, obviously, Leonard is out for the entire season, and that that is going to leave the crease to uh, a bunch of guys who combined for almost no NHL time at all. So that's going to be really interesting uh, going forward because I think they still are a team that can... Like, they'll have Mark Stone, they'll have Eichel, they have They They'll be able to shut other teams down but will that matter? Will teams score anyway? And on the other hand, will they be able to score as much as they have in years past? We'll see. I don't know how much faith I have in that. That's a really interesting team. Uh, number two is Calgary, who I also think is kind of in the same range, like this two through uh, five range, because they were a 111-point team last year. They lost two 100-point guys. They somehow had an offseason where they got Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weegar and got noticeably worse. Still, though, those are good pieces, and I think they're pretty close to a hundred-point team. I have more faith in them than those other guys, and their coaching. Like it's it's pretty clear why they improved from not making the playoffs in the fake Canadian division to being a winning the division last year. They have good coaching, uh, and then that that means that yes, <laughs> my process of elimination. I have to have the Edmonton Oilers winning the division. I don't uh, particularly like that, and they still don't have good depth. Uh, but their goaltending is more reliable than it was or has been in years past, I guess. And uh, they have the two best offensive players in the world. They might, I don't know, you could say uh, they'd have the best player in the world and also one of the 10 best with him. And then Evander Kane was incredible with them last year, even though I'm not super thrilled about that. This isn't the strongest division winner, but someone's got to win this division.
2: All right, Anthony, what do you got? So I think this speaks to how kind of tight this division is um, because I have a very, very different set of rankings, which is a good thing, Um, makes it more fun. So I do agree with you. The Sharks finished last. Um, If Mike Greer's intention wasn't to semi-tank the season, then I'm really concerned about his talent assessment abilities because I think I disliked literally every player they added, which if you're trying to be bad, well, mission accomplished. Um, I don't think they added a single good player, a positive impact player from an analytics standpoint. Um, so I think they're going to be real bad, uh, personally. And honestly, they, they, it sucks because they can't fully tank because of how immovable that Carlson and Vlasic deals are and how long they last. They both go on for like four more years after this. So they're in a really tough spot. I don't envy Mike Greer's position there. That's going to be a tough rebuild. Um, Second to last, I have the Anaheim Ducks. Um, I just don't think they're deep enough. I mean, Zegers is exciting. Um, you know, Gibson, for it's so funny. In terms of reputation versus performance, I think he's the most overrated goaltender in the NHL. I, I don't think he's bad necessarily. I just, he, he gets brought up in those like hot, top-end goalie conversations. And I can't really wrap my head around Why? Uh, from base stats to analytics, he's had three super mediocre years in a row now. Um, so I'm, I'm not really keen on, on much about that team at all. Um, coming in, what is the sixth? Uh, I've got the Seattle Kraken. I think Seattle, like you said, is one of those teams who could surprise, they could finish higher theoretically, um, because the, the middle and really top uh, even of this division is so tight. Um, like you said Gord is healthy uh they added Berkovsky they've got the two young dynamic guys and, and honestly with them both being rookies it kind of pushed them down to six for me because as much as I think Veneers and Wright are going to be an awesome one-two punch down the middle for them for a long long time I don't see them making a huge impact right off the bat you know what I mean uh, in their rookie season so uh, I'm going to leave them at six for now uh in 5th i have the los angeles kings um I, like you said they squeaked into the playoffs last year um i think they will again maybe they could in that 5th spot they'll they'll be in the conversation um it's tough for me cuz they have they have a lot of young players i i really like you know Byfield. i'm a huge fan of his um they got good, they got decent goaltending, pretty good goaltending last year, which, which helped them. Um, I'm curious to see if that can repeat. Um, they've got a solid defense, but still, you know, I don't know. Their, their mix of youth and age kind of is tough. You know what I mean? Like their young guys really excite me, but the guys who are still kind of around from their former core, I think last year you saw them kind of start to hit that age curve pretty hard. And I don't see that getting better for them. um So I'm going to give the Canucks the slight edge who I'm going to get put in fourth Um, from an analytics standpoint. It's funny. I, I almost feel like a a knot in my stomach because Micah McCurdy, who is one of my favorite analytics guys out there, he's extremely talented and he's got Vancouver finishing first in this division in his, in his projections. And so dropping them all the way to first, fourth rather gave me a little bit of heartburn because I don't like to, to, to go against him that that's strictly because he, he, typically is very accurate um but i just i don't know i don't think they have the depth um personally i like that for jemco but he's i think if they're going to be a top three team in this division he's going to have to be really really good um which he could be goalies are weird and stupid and i hate them speaking of goalies uh (laughs) the oh i'm sorry i goofed this up i goofed this up i did I have, I have, I have Vancouver ahead of Vegas. I totally forgot Vegas. Wow. I do. Yeah. I goofed. And for, for the reason you said, um, their goaltending is a train wreck. Lauren Blasso yuck. Uh, you know, you've got, uh, Logan Thompson who could be good, but like super unproven and I'll be straight with you. I don't even remember who the third guy is, but he's not good. I know that.
0: It's (laughs) a shit. Did they just trade? No, I don't, I don't. Is it Aden hill?
2: No, it's not Hill because I like Hill. Hang on, he's still in San Jose too, isn't he?
0: Yeah, no, was, it, was that know. a rumor that they were going to trade Aiden Hill? I thought maybe they went after yeah. a San Jose guy, but I can't. I'm going
2: to look now because it's going to bother me. By oh. the way, I
0: say wow there, but I think Vancouver was actually better. Than oh no, Vegas it is. No, it
2: time. is. It is Aiden Hill. Okay, Oh, got we, him? Yeah, yeah, he'll be he'll be the starter. I think. I maybe. think
1: Thompson is at least for an Thompson started the yeah. opening game for them. Did he?
2: Okay. Hmm. I still don't like him. Uh, I still like Vancouver a lot more. Um, so uh, they,
0: I'm pretty sure Vancouver was better in the second <laughs> yeah, half man. last year than Vegas. And uh, really correct. all Vegas is getting, well, they're getting Stone and Eichel, I guess. Yeah.
2: And it's the Bruce Boudreaux factor, honestly, yeah. for me. Right. Um, I, mean, I love I his guys, one divisions. He's an elite coach. Um, so, and and the other thing with Vegas, they're in a weird spot where, like you said, Stone, Eichel, like, yeah, great players. Uh, they lost Pacioretty out of necessity for for salary cap reasons who i still think despite his age is very good the rest of their core is either uninspiring or super old like i don't think a 36 year old phil kessel is going to make a difference for them um <laughs> uh, honestly and and you know like you said the but after that like their defense is gets is, good it's good and i think they're a good team who's going to get absolutely crushed by bad goaltending so uh for that reason i've got them i think that makes it fifth um canucks then for the reasons i already described for fourth (laughs) i just goofed up my order here a little bit um in third i've got the la no what did i do here no Uh, i think think you
0: have you have la fifth vegas fourth canucks third
2: that sounds that's right i've totally as soon as i botched that order I, i i put this completely out of whack here and i closed my excel sheet because i thought i could do this off memory but apparently not um anyway after just completely botching it yes canucks third in second, I have the Edmonton Oilers, um, but I think they're neck and neck. It's going to be the Battle of Alberta here um, for the top of this division. Like you said, the Flames did take significant hits with, with you know, losing Goudreau and Kachuk. But, uh, you know, adding Weegar and Huberto went a pretty good way toward kind of resolving that problem for them. I don't think they'll be as good, but I do think they're good enough to win the division. And like you said, the Oilers they have two of the top five forwards in the nhl i mean that's a big deal after that though their depth is really concerning um so we'll see they're gonna need to get good goaltending from goalies who are kind of mediocre um i i think their 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 top end skill carries them to that second spot but i have a really hard time even in this division putting them at the top just because i think the flames just have a little bit more depth and they're just overall a more impressive group and i like markstrom a lot in goal so i'll stick with the flames to to win that division so to recap here for everyone i confused by botching this completely from top to bottom flames oilers canucks King, golden knights kings kraken Sh- ducks sharks goddamn that was painful <laughs> nice all right well, mine to is- be fair it is 11 p.m and i'm old <laughs>
1: <laughs> doing great uh well mine is pretty similar to anthony's actually so last i also have san jose obviously for the reasons i mentioned they will be a bottom five team i have anaheim then in the second last spot john klingberg is not going to be on this team the second half of the year and he was their big off-season acquisition he's going to get traded he came on a one-year deal it just feels like you know he'll try and get his value up a little bit, and Anaheim will move him and end up getting picks or young player or whatever. But I don't feel very inspired by them or their depth, even though I think that they have some good young pieces there. Six, I have Seattle. Um, agree with everything that you guys said there when it comes to Beneers and Wright eventually stepping into that really nice one-two punch role there. I I feel I feel pretty confident about having them over Anaheim for the fact that. I just I don't think that Grubauer is as bad as bad as he was last year. I think we're gonna see him correct that a little bit and uh and generally speaking, I think the team will just come together. They'll have more health there with Gord. and I think that they have some other all right depth pieces that'll help get them into that sixth spot. Fifth, I have Los Angeles somebody who was I talking to about I might have or I wasn't talking to who I was reading somebody. It might have been an athletic piece recently that. It's getting to a point that we kind of have to start wondering what LA is doing with their development of their young guys, because it feels like they have had a lot of good young pieces in the system recently that have just not clicked in the way that people have hoped. Byfield, I think, is an example of that, that we were maybe expecting him to have a little bit more of an immediate impact, but then also like... Look at the way that, like, Alex Turcott has just completely fallen mm-hmm. off the map there and fallen out of favor there. You know, we'll see what Brand Clark is going to be able to do for them. He was a player coming out of the draft that I really liked a lot. Probably the second best defenseman behind Owen Power in that draft. But I just think that L.A. has those question marks in goal, like Quick is getting older. Pa- Peterson is so hot and cold. Um, that I just don't think that they're gonna have enough to get back to the playoffs. Yeah,
2: even a guy like Kaliev, to your point, right? I mean Kalyev
1: too, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. And well, and, and even other guys too. I mean, Gabe Vellardi is another example. He's had some injury, Great one. Injuries, but yeah. Um, same. was the other center that I'm uh, that I'm missing? Not Vellardi. Uh there's another one too. Another first round center that they have.
2: You said Turkot, uh, and that's you know, that's the one that
1: keeps coming to my I mean, brain. Hold on, it's gonna kill me. um it is uh oh my god who is it
2: you know i'm pulling up here we go i got it right here friendly
1: yeah yeah who do we got who do we got um what the heck this isn't it Hmm. los angeles oh that's why i was like what am i why is this
2: oh my gosh this is killing me right now not lias anderson all
1: right no, 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 not Lysanderson. There's somebody else. There's another forward that I'm totally blanking on right now. That was a higher yeah. end guy. Um He's not
2: a center, but Akil Thomas.
1: Oh, Kupari, Rasmus Kupari. He was a um, overall pick for them back in 2018, too. And he's another one that like again, just he's not he's not a center either. I think he's a winger. Um, but again, like it just, again, those guys that, and Sam Vegemo too, he's another mm-hmm. one who he was a second round pick that it's just like, are, are they doing something with their development over there that these guys just like, aren't panning out? I don't know. Uh, beyond that though, in fourth place, I too have the Vegas golden Knights, I think the goaltending question marks are very real. I do think that Logan Thomas or Thompson can end up being a a serviceable starter for them that gets them at least in the playoff conversation come March and April. But I do not think that Vegas is going to end up making the playoffs. I have a feeling that there's going to be two teams coming out of the Central. And in third place led by 2022-2023 Vesna winner Thatcher Demko, the Vancouver Canucks, I think are going to end up there. I think Bruce Boudreaux, as we had mentioned before, has completely just turned around the franchise. You were able to see the offense that he's able to bring out of guys. And you had brought up the 99 points from JT Miller. I got one for you. I'd say Elias Pettersson well above a point a game this year, for sure, under Boudreaux. I think on top of that, Quinn Hughes, you're going to hopefully see him take a step there. But I really do think that Demko is going to have a career year for them this year. And they're just going to be able to keep up with teams because of scoring and Demko is going to be able to play well enough to keep them in games. And if they end up getting into that third spot, I think it's going to be on the back of Demko. And I will make the claim now since Taylor's hot take was that, uh, I believe it was Ilya Sorokin was your Vesna winner this year to switch it up. I'm going to go with Thatcher Demko for mine. In second place, I have Calgary. Uh, I think even though, again, they had those losses up front, I still see a 100-point team there. They may have gotten a little bit worse at the forward position, but their blue line got demonstrably better by adding Mackenzie Wieger into the mix. And I think that in general, they have a lot of really nice younger pieces on that blue line as well. And then you have Jacob Marks from there as well, too, who, of course, he was in the top three in uh, Vezna voting last year. I think he continues the strong play into this year and that they're going to be able to, you know, they've, again, lost those two forwards in uh, Kachuk and Goudreau, but it's not every day that you lose 200-point guys and you're able to replace them with two guys who are about to score 100 points. And Kadri last year with the great year that he had, and then on top of that, of course, uh, Huberto, who had scored 100 points as well which means in first place, I have Edmonton uh, and similar to the reasons that Taylor said, but I think really what it's going to come down to is the fact that he is not great, but Jack Campbell is enough of an upgrade that I think it's going to be enough to get them over the top to win the division. And on top of that, I think, and this is a scary, scary thought to put out into the universe, but I just think, McDavid had a taste of what a playoff run was like last year. And I have a feeling that man is going to be out for blood this year. And so I think maybe we see even a whole new level of Connor McDavid, not like, a, you know, I'm not saying he's going to put up like 160 points or something like that, but I think he finishes with more points this year than he did last year, because he's going to be motivated as hell to get Edmonton back. And I think that having it, at least average to competent goaltending in Campbell, That being an upgrade over Smith and Koskinen, that's going to be enough for them to end up winning the Pacific. So with that being said, everybody, that is our divisional previews there. Guys, any last thoughts that we'd like to give, uh, you know, on the league as a whole before we sign off for the day?
0: Yes. uh, Josh Anderson scored with 19 seconds left for Montreal today to beat Toronto.
2: Wow. In regulation. In regulation. Love to see that. And our upstart Canucks are up two nothing on the Oilers after one. See, there you go, there you go. I don't mind. That's that. Thatcher Demko on pace to have a goals against average of zero on the season. That'll wow. win you a Vesna. Just saying, That's, just saying.
1: That'll win you the Vesna. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. He only well. has to do it for what two hundred and forty-one more periods. Oh. Easy people that be him playing the full season, but you get the idea. Yeah, no, maybe he will at this rate. Who knows? Doesn't Let up a goal. Maybe they'll just keep running. There. Yeah. Keep running. Grant yeah. Fuhrer from 1992. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. He
2: still holds the record. He started 79 games that year love it
1: yeah no <laughs> all right well let's let's uh let's get ready to sign off here then guys so anthony as we always like to end the episodes we'd like to give a recommendation along with uh, our random former sabers player so anything you've been listening to or watching or reading or anything like that lately that you'd like to recommend to the listeners
2: it doesn't have to be hockey though or no it could be anything you want okay i'm gonna stick with hockey though so um if you want to learn and this is not i am not repped by this man um but if you want to learn more about hockey tactics, if like the deep intricacies of hockey, tactic, hockey tactics interest you, Ryan Stimson uh, has a book "Stick to Tape," um, or I'm sorry, yeah, "Stick to Tape," something like that. Um, "Puck to Tape," something. I forget the title now because again, it's late and I'm senile. But um, he's got a book that has been out for a few years now that that I'm getting back into. I read it when he first came out with it, and now I'm I'm getting kind of back into the weeds on it he dives like deep into hockey tactics, formations, like all this stuff that, that if you're not familiar or, or want to get more kind of familiarized with the intricacies of the game, I don't think there's a better book out there. Um, So Ryan Stimson, get his book. Very, very good. And so that is what I'm kind of immersed in right now.
1: Love that. Taylor, what do you got for a rec?
0: Um, damn. Do I have one? Yeah, sure. Let's watch something scary. Uh, I'm going to re-recommend Barbarian, which I recommended like a month ago, because I think it's still in the theaters. So if you want to get a spooky time at theaters, it's also a good time, unpredictable time. You want to see our good friend Justin Long, fan of the podcast, uh, see Barbarian.
1: All right. I like it. I'm going to go with an album for mine. I'm going to go with the album Virtue by The Voids, which is Julian Casablancas, the lead singer of The Strokes, his side project. They have two albums out. Virtue is their second one. I believe it came out back in 2018. Um, There's some similarities to The Strokes, but it's a pretty out there album. They really like he really goes out of his way to try and bring in like a ton of different genres within it in terms of like there's a lot of really like hardcore thrashy punk stuff. But then there's also more like indie pop stuff. But then also there's some like Afro beats going on in the background, too. And so it's it's a bit all over the place. Really interesting album that kind of takes you on a ride all over the place and so i'm gonna go with virtue by the voids anthony who is your random former Sabres player of the episode eric rasperson yes love that taylor why not that? uh mine is gary galley mm. i like it all right i'm gonna go with felipe boucher for mine mm. wow back 93
2: 94 savers so you want to know something really funny about that What's Gally that? and Boucher, I did a, an article two years ago where I, a, I wanted to see if it was even possible to, to make a team like this. Um, I wanted to make a team of Sabres, n- none of whom, any two random guys you picked, none of whom ever played together on the same mm. Sabres team. Uh, so it was called the No Overlap team. Uh, and Gally and Boucher were both on the defense. So I thought, I think that's hey. funny. Oh, yeah. that's wild. Mm hmm very cool very cool there you go
1: all right anthony before we sign off tell the people where they could find you online what you guys have coming up at expected buffalo all that good stuff
2: yeah uh you can find me at expected by anth A N T H on twitter um you can find us at expected buffalo uh we've got some really cool preview content that came out today myself chad and eddie all kind of did our own variations of a season preview kind of all different taking taking different formats which uh I think it's fun. It, it makes it less kind of monotonous reading through it. Um, And, uh, you know, we got Ryan Wolf, our, our old buddy from Die by the Blade in the fold for expected Buffalo this year. So we're excited to see some content coming out from him. Um, So yeah, the team has doubled since the beginning of last season where it was just me and Chad. Uh, so we're excited about that. We're hoping to keep more content rolling and it's an exciting time to be writing about the Sabres because for the first time since Chad and I started writing for different sites obviously like six seven years ago they're actually maybe going to be okay so um something to look forward to
1: very nice all right well yes make sure everybody you are checking out expected buffalo if you are not a subscriber change that as i've been one for the past couple of years now it is absolutely worth it and that content just is just continuously and consistently a plus stuff so anthony my friend it is always a pleasure and you can also catch anthony playing saxophone with slow animals uh, Mm -hmm. here and there coming up next on uh october 28th hopefully for mr goodbar's halloween show which we will be headlining so anthony hopefully we will be sharing the stage together very very soon my friend but thank you so much for joining us as always we appreciate it so very much we can't wait to have you back a few times this season
2: Absolutely. Thank you again for having me guys. Keep the tradition alive of, of coming on during the beginning of the year here. And uh, instead of going to bed, I'm gonna go work out because now I've set the precedent at show animal slow animals shows that I'm gonna take my shirt off while I play. So um yeah. <laughs> I'm not in as good a shape right now, so I better I better go work out.
1: Well that <laughs> Bad news for you and good news for everybody else. Then, (laughs) Mm.
2: Generous (laughs) to say the least, but thank you.
1: (laughs) All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabers, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows. And also make sure you're checking them both out on social media as well where you can also find us Straight Up Sabers on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So make sure you're following us with the season kicking off tonight. On Thursday night, as you all are listening to this, we'll be talking Sabres online, interact with us, engage with us, tweet at us. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your thoughts on what we're putting out there. Uh, I'll be at the game tomorrow, Taylor. I don't know if you're going or not, but uh, I will not be there. I'll be there. So I'll be live tweeting from the game. So make sure you guys are interacting. We'd very much appreciate it. And also make sure whatever streaming platform, again, you're currently using to listen to this episode, you are either subscribed or following to us. And we'd appreciate it if you'd leave us a nice little rating. Last but not least, make sure you're checking out the uh, the the sponsor of this podcast, if I could talk, DraftKings. Use that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday, everybody. Have a great weekend. This has been Straight Up Sabres.